You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. Welcome to Thank You for Your Servers, a show which looks at the tech news of today, but from a libertarian perspective. Now here are your hosts, Thaddeus and Gary. Thank you for logging in to Thank You for Your Servers. I'm Thaddeus Preston, a.k.a. Nick Way, and joining me yet again for the second time in a row, don't make this a habit, Gary Guthrie, uh, how you doing, bro? <laughs> doing good. Doing good. Right. So this podcast is a most almost weekly rant about the tech topics of the week from a Liberty perspective. This and other podcasts are brought to you by the MLGA Network of Podcasts. Let's make Liberty great again, fam. And with no further ado, let's get into it with topic one, which I playfully titled, The Final Offensive Begins. So what do I mean by this? Well, Facebook is reeling this week after companies such as Verizon, Hershey, Unilever, and others have stopped social media ads on the Facebook platform. So the criticism they're facing is they have failed to sufficiently police hate speech (laughs) and misinformation on their platform. It's kind of the same trope that they've been dealing with for better part of, what is that Gary now, four years, starting back with the election, the election of Donald J. Trump. And the Cambridge Analytica quote-unquote scandal, which it really wasn't. Um, So this is growing amid criticism of, of course, misinformation on the site. And they're they're being forced on this issue um, because this is the weapon that most social justice organizations use against sites that they deem problematic, right? The, you know, Center for Countering Digital Hate the stop funding fake news, newses of the world. And so they're going after their uh, advertisers here on Facebook and it's putting Facebook in a kind of a precarious position. Now, amid this growing criticism, um, the company is trying to acquiesce to the mob by um, labeling all voting related posts with a link encouraging users to look at its new voter information hub. Um, basically, they want to counter misinformation going into the 2020 campaign by suppressing, ironically enough, suppressing information that certain groups outside of Facebook and that are pressuring Facebook um, by sequestering that type of information. Um, it, it, it's ironic to me, and I, I, and I think a little bit is schadenfreude for me, but all the zucking they've done of dissident voices on their platform. The genuflection to the woke mobs that they're doing, you know, on a regular basis, though the mob says that it is not doing enough to counter misinformation and hate speech. And the fact that it even created a woke tribunal within Facebook's corporate structure, that is that advisory board or some sort of extrajudicial board that, you know, that it, um, what is this board supposed to do? Like label certain things hate speech or 
have some be, have some sort of adjudication over posts on the platform or something like that. Um, a uh, a tribunal, by the way, that um, they have woke mobs have beaten Facebook over the head about because they allowed like a conservative actually on this tribunal. So you've done all this stuff, and yet the woke mob still comes for Mark Zuckerberg's life's life's work. How are how are those how are these companies quantifying enough? I mean, it, it, to say that Facebook has failed sufficiently to police hate speech. I mean, how are they quantifying that? Are they just saying that to to make people happy? Or <laughs> I can give you a long winded answer that you know denotes. Uh, algorithms that you know maybe is pointing to actual incidents or maybe anecdotal incidents such as the two that I labeled at the beginning right um there's been this kind of drumbeat over the last four years that during the 2016 campaign because of quote-unquote Russian interference of course the Facebook platform did nothing to curb misinformation and I'm 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 one to admit that there was a lot of crap that showed up on my Facebook feed back in 2016 about, you know, Hillary Clinton being indicted, that, which was obviously false. But here's the deal. Right. It wasn't just directed toward one side. There were many information operations or like disinformation operations ran by, you know, Russian troll farms, you know, farmed out of Ukraine and Georgia and other Eastern European countries that were saying things like Black Lives Matter and stirring things up and, you know, mm-hmm. and all kinds of stuff. And then you have the coup de grace, which is. Facebook, Facebook's apparent complicit, complicity in like the Cambridge Analytica sta- uh, scandal, which wasn't a scandal. Right. Cambridge Analytica, Analytica did nothing more than the Obama campaign in 2012 and the killer campaign really in 2016. S- they didn't like the propaganda. Right. So this is a long yeah. way of me saying they're just making it up, Gary. They're just making it up. That's my that's my that's my suspicion. I mean, I read this stuff and I see it. I, I, I made the case better I'm for like, them than they've made over the last two years. <laughs> I'm like, I don't understand. I mean, how do you? Uh, okay, because I, I know personally, you know how easy it is to get smacked down by the Zuck. Oh yeah, you know you've experienced it. I've experienced it. <laughs> yeah. So don't tell me that they're insufficient in policing hate speech and misinformation or disinformation on their platform. It depends on the what they have designated hate speech and the type of disinformation that they're prefer, that they're referring to, right? The quali- the qualification or the quantification, however you want to call it, has nothing to do with hate speech at all. It has to do with what they want to see. I think I may I dare say it is ideological in its in its basis. That's that's what it is. I'm I'm there. I don't I don't I don't, <laughs> I don't quite understand why. If I see one more tech journalism outfit say that there is no sufficient evidence of sequestration or suppression of conservative or right wing speech. I'm going to shoot. I'm going to shoot up a place. It's 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 just false. It's not true. <laughs> they're yeah. gas. They're literally gaslighting because well, I don't. I don't see what you guys are talking about. Yeah, because you can post whatever you want 
random tech journalist from random <laughs> tech <laughs> publication and not get smacked down or have a mob turned on you, though that's increasingly <laughs> not the case anymore. Right. God. So uh, the question is, why is this news important? Well, because the veil is off. Social justice mobs are mounting their final offensive. And they're going after the big dog. They're going after the key regime. Facebook, only to be rivaled by Alphabet slash Google, is a huge provider of advertising. And like most Web 2.0 companies and, you know, search giants such as Alphabet, derive a lot of their revenue from ads. And Correct. the left a long time ago realized, um, and I, one would argue that the prototype for this started with, ironically enough, talk show radio host Glenn Beck and um, Cheryl Atkinson in her book, Smear, actually details how this worked. They did this with Sean Hannity, another right-wing commentator. They did this with Alex Jones. I wouldn't consider him a full right-wing commentator, but someone who says, hmm, what is it, problematic things. And mm -hmm. you see the anatomy of the smear as it begins. You see it mount. First they came for Alex Jones. Then they came for Milo Yiannopoulos. Then they came for people who are um, relatively disreputable. So Twitter has already kind of acquiesced to these demands. They're censoring posts, they're labeling posts as misinformation, uh, they banned problematic voices. And YouTube's weapon of choice, obviously, is demonetization. Case in point, Stefan Basel Molyneux. And so this week, to kind of occur, to kind of, you know, play off of this assault on Facebook, Another assault started where YouTube outright banned Stefan Molyneux, David Duke, and Richard Spencer. So the fact that they even grouped Stefan Molyneux with David Duke and Richard Spencer is pretty it's gross. disingenuous and egregious. <laughs> yeah. Um, Stefan Molyneux is far from David Duke and Richard Spencer. He might be a Diet Coke version of some of their arguments, but he is not David Duke. Um, and it's funny, David Duke and Richard Spencer are easy targets, right? Because one oh, yeah. is they're, not they're, shedding they're... a tear for the <laughs> fact that their channels no longer exist. But here's the deal. Up until, the fact of the matter is it's 2020 and their <laughs> channel still existed. I thought we were in this, <laughs> I thought we were in this period where like, you know, these guys are terrible. Uh, David Duke has been the enemy and the trope and the boogeyman of everyone since like the seventies, and I, I, which I, I, I don't understand. Like suddenly, like, but to lump him in, well, and that that's why they're bringing his name up is to make the other ones worse. Or guilt Sound. by association of right. banning. But, oh, whoa. Well, right. Stefan Molyneux must have been in the same category as David Duke and Richard Spencer. It's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> Starch in his robes or whatever. Yeah. Like, it, it, so 
this is important because this is how it starts. Mm-hmm. And if you think that, what's the old trope? Well, if you don't like how they're treating you on this platform, you can go somewhere else. Okay. But you can't. You can't. You can go somewhere else. And I'll get to that in a minute. Because <laughs> let me let me take a sip. So anyway, um, so <laughs> you, you have all these kind of civil rights organizations because right now it's Black Lives Matter is the cause celeb. Um, who are kind of driving this, but really behind them are the same groups I've discussed in episode 31, the Network Contagion Research Institute, or the Stop Funding Fake News of the World, or the Center for Countering Digital Hate Organizations, or you take your pick of random left-of-center organizations that have the backing of Free Press, ACLU, which is which is the most disappointing thing. Uh, um, the EFF, who does a really awesome job of fighting the myths and disinformation about Section 230 and really are good on, on, on a lot of Internet privacy and freedom things. But like most institutions over the last 20 years, which does not commit to its core principles 100 percent of the time, it becomes left liberal. Yeah. And 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 you you see this in they're they're not going to stop. <clears throat> oh, no, they won't. They won't stop. They never have. They never will, because there's always more that we can progress to to, you know, pun intended. There, There's always something more. There's further we can go. And, um, and they'll never be satisfied. And so listen to this spokesperson from Color of Change. And their quote, it's Jade Magnus, I can't pronounce her last name, um, uh, and I won't. Um, I won't because I don't want to butcher it because I'm, I'm not a douche. But there are no quick fixes for companies like Reddit that have been steeped in racist culture. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll, by the way, not to interrupt, <laughs> I'm going to interrupt myself. I have a little ADD. They banned a lot of subreddits this week. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Trap. You know, was it was it a Chapel Trap House? the Donald, and a lot of other areas, a lot of other subreddits this week um, during this purge, which we'll get to the sinister motives about these purges here shortly. But I'll go back to the quote and I continue. Steeped in racist culture from the very beginning. So, so, so Reddit has been steeped in, I'm sorry, I keep interrupting myself in writing this quote. So Reddit has been steeped in racist culture from the beginning. Steeped, steeped. in racist culture. Like, Reddit is Reddit is some it stands for racist, right? I mean, it's 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 Latin for racist. Reddit. How are they steeped in? Uh, okay, I'm just the the, the hyperbole. Just uh, I, I I hate it's 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 Jade's job. Um, so continuing with the quote, yeah. we can't just cheer on the uh, on the quick things that is the banning of these subreddits. Companies need to actually undergo civil rights audits. Now we're getting to the where we're getting there. What? Uh, they need to look at how racism and discrimination are showing up in every level at every level of their company. There's no one thing you can do to fix racism in your company or to affirm that black lives matter. What actually has to happen is the that companies is that companies have to commit to a living wage for all their employees 
And then uh-huh. they need to invest in civil rights audits and take it step by step to implement those changes. End quote. There's so much going on in this quote. I, I, I can't even. How did we go from prog- problematic <laughs> hate speech disinformation to like a living, living wage. wage in race audits? It's just it, it, the, the more comments I hear like this, the more they just barf just random idealistic words out there, you know? Yes. It bugs me. This, I I can't even unwrap. This isn't a story about a technology company. Civil rights audits. So in order for there to be an audit, there must be a criteria to audit against, which of course gets back to the other point of how do you quantify or qualify it? Oh, well, that now you have to buy into an idealist standpoint and say, okay, this is the only correct thing. And if you miss one half of one point on this thing, you are immediately considered a racist company. Right. So let's go down. (laughs) Let's go down a list. And thank you for the verge for providing said list of all (laughs) the things that happened this week. Okay. Uh, so first and foremost, they, uh, okay. YouTube bans a group of far right creators. Hence they lumped, they lumped in Stefan Molyneux with David Duke and Richard Spencer. Uh, the verge also points out that Molyneux, a white nationalist and proponent of racist science still has his Facebook page for reasons Mm. I can't fathom. Even MailChimp has gotten rid of him. This is the problem (laughs) where tech press reporting has become activism. They do themselves a disservice by by railing against these individuals and egging this nonsense on. Um, What else did they do? Oh, Facebook bans violent boogaloo networks. So God forbid you have a private Facebook group where you're talking about the boogaloo, which for those of us who aren't familiar with the boogaloo, that's basically just, you know, right wing insurrection, right? Am am I characterizing it correctly? It's just, it's It's actually kind of a joke. It's more of a joke. It it really is more of a joke. I mean, the, the fact of, I don't know, just, well, these boogaloo it, groups. It is, but it isn't. It is, but it isn't, right? I mean, a lot of these boogaloo groups have been designated dangerous organizations by Facebook. So, there you go. Some of them can, you know what? And some can be. I mean, you talk about some crazy ultra white right wing militia that goes out and, you know, their goal is explicitly to overthrow government by force. Okay. Understood. That's one very extreme example of these people. That's not who we're talking about 99.9% of the time. Right. I belong to a couple of groups where, you know, Oh, one, what, uh, the, uh, throw your car batteries into the ocean (laughs) group. Right. Right. You know, I like that. It's, it's a safe and legal thrill. And, and it's hilarious to go through uh, to me, the most hilarious thing is there are people who actually believe that this is a legitimate, like, activist group. Like, we're going to go throw car batteries into the ocean. Come on, people. You know, <laughs> sometimes we just like to go have fun. 
Right. Sometimes you just like to post memes about, you know, throwing batteries into <laughs> yeah. the ocean or overthrowing the government. Um, <laughs> um, right. Reddit. Okay. Uh, like I said, Reddit bans the Donald, obviously. And then, um, of course, our one of the favorite tech editor, tech writers over at the New York Post, Kevin Ruse, who is a not to be confused with Kevin Rose of Dig dot com um, fame and an actual decent tech eh, commentator, uh, VC smart kid, smart guy, um, is you know talking you know talking his nonsense about you know. He, he, he's been on this kind of hard on for Facebook for a while. Um, and he doesn't, you know, he's been on these, all these social media sites having these private groups. He wants these social networks to go into these private groups and crack down. Part of the reason a lot of us even join private groups is because we were under the misconception that they were private. Or at the very least, yeah. somewhat <laughs> shielded from the censors at Facebook because we have moderators in most of these groups. Correct. Yeah. Well, we know that's not the case, right? Yeah. No, <laughs> no, we, we know because we've had stuff in our, in our groups censored. It's like, how the hell did you get in our group? It's like, we're not posting pornography and stuff like that. We're, 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 we're just posting how we hate Facebook on Facebook, which is ironic, but <laughs> <laughs> which is hilarious. Which is yeah. Actually very hilarious. Actually. Um, also, Twitch temporarily bans uh, President Trump's account. Um, they did that this week. I think they, I think they, I think they reinstated it at some point. Um, and this, um, this article here is also. Um, and then you have the shakedown continuing, where you have like Netflix is shifting 100 million to black-owned banks. I, I was unaware that was a thing. Um, and Facebook is updating its newsfeed algorithm to prioritize original reporting. Right. But you are also this is also the same site that like got rid of like the what is what was the um, anti police blog or anti police account that had like lots of accounts and were just posting across Facebook and stuff that they banned. Um, they they they're not going to prioritize original reporting. They're going to prioritize original reporting that is skewed toward a narrative. Right. Um, and the. But I mean, that's the only that's their only option, right? Well, because I the mean, mob at, ha- at the risk of yeah, because the mob has them by the by the by the by the short hairs. I mean, they yeah. don't, they they're, they're going to have to do so. Um, yep. But it's it, there's, but there's no escape. There's no escape, right? So, all right, let's say I'm sick of Facebook. I'm sick of YouTube. I'm sick of Twitter, right? So what? Or start your own. What, yeah. Well, there's this. There's a start your own crap, <laughs> which again. One day in a extended episode, we need to go knee, for lack of a better term, balls deep into what happened to Gab. Right. Um, because we've touched on it. In the we've past. touched on it in the past. Um, so one can go to Gab, BitChute, Library, which is L. What is it L R B Y? Um, or I forgot what it is. Well, we'll we'll put it in the show notes because that's also where we now put thank you for your service as well as other uh, Make Liberty Great Again Network podcasts. Um, you know, these are other these are other distributed platforms um, and Parler. So a lot of people are going over to Parler. Parler's been around for three, four years. Um, a lot of people on the right. But there is no escape because they will follow you there and shame you for going on Parler. 
Reading from The Guardian, U.S. edition, new right-wing free speech site parlor gets in a tangle over free speech. So this is an article about how Parler is banning like left-wing accounts and how Parler really isn't a no-censorship bastion, which let's be blunt, they never claim to be. They just claim, they just claim to be a haven, right? It's kind of like this. Think of it as a war-torn, a war-torn country where one must uh, leave his village and or city that has been bombed to the ground by some despot or invading army and you go to a refugee mm-hmm. camp. Parlor is nothing more than a refugee camp. That doesn't mean I can go to that refugee camp and rape and pillage. It just means I need refuge from where I was because I've been pushed out of where I was. But Well, and this goes this this speaks to the the kind of cornered animal analogy, right? Yeah. It's like you, you I, I maintain for a long time, you know, you need to allow people to be racist. You need to allow people to um be morons for, for the sake of, you know, their own satisfaction, whatever, because there's a cathartic effect that helps get that off their chest. You know, not everybody who's out there being a racist piece of crap is driving a, uh, a movement or, you know, or whatever, you know, sometimes people are just being stupid people. Um, but you back those people into a corner, you, you, you shove them out, you, you basically give them no place to go. It strengthens them and it emboldens them. And now you've got a different problem because you have concentrations of them, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm speaking very, very specifically to, to, I'm not speaking just general right wing stuff, but I'm, I'm just speaking to generally to, um, or specifically, I'm sorry, to, you know, these extreme, extreme ones that are, I mean, they're easy targets for being shut down. Well, they're being strengthened and they're being emboldened and they're moving into places where they, you know, call it a bubble or a echo chamber or whatever. You're, you're basically separating them and, and uh, concentrating them at this point. There's you know? always been this argument, um, this was early on in social media that I would, when I would listen and frequent a lot of podcasts and uh, tech blogs in the early days, in the good old days, I would like to say, about there being a fear of the creation of filter bubbles because of this alg- these algorithms, right? And this algorithmic sorting of data and this crowdsourcing of data. Dig, Slashdot were kind of the early, represent- early representations of Reddits. And then they basically took that crowdsource plus algorithmic, you know, I guess for lack of a better word, inputs and creating filter bubbles. And the funny thing about filter bubbles is the more they have kind of mischaracterized certain types of speech as hate speech, misinformation, problematic, and you forced it off of certain platforms, you've literally started forcing people to go to your parlors and your gabs and your bit shoots and your other type of online communities and subreddits and stuff. And you've created filter bubbles. I would argue that a lot of the the bad stuff that people are trying to bat down and combat and play whack-a-mole with, be it anti-vaxxers, be it 5G conspiracies, be it COVID conspiracies, (laughs) be it, um, you know, Bill Gates is, is the devil conspiracies. 
um, be it all those types of things are a direct result of the fact that these things aren't discussed in SmackDown in the open. And people, yep, and people I agree a hundred percent. People wonder why anti-vax stuff shows up on Facebook or or five G crazy stuff shows up on Twitter or Facebook or 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 flat earthers are getting like a you know seem to have a foothold in a lot of areas of YouTube and Facebook and stuff. And it's because these ideas aren't allowed to flourish among free and open debate. And aren't either smacked down, defended, or strengthened. And so now right. we have these companies and these activist organizations who want to truly, honestly, they're true believers, want to rid the world of racism and bigotry and 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 whatnot and homophobia and transphobia yeah. and all these things that, you know, we, we all for the most part don't like to see. Um, and when we like to have a lot more faith in our fellow mankind that, you know, people don't think this way, but they're trying to play whack-a-mole on this stuff. And as we will get to in the second topic, from a technological standpoint, that will become less and less possible. And I think these social media companies and even growing, uh, from growing the infrastructure providers are going to have a hard time dealing with these these woke mobs who are demanding yeah. that they they kill this. So it, it, I just I just think you know their 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 whole methodology is so wrong. It's so backwards and it's so counterproductive because you know when you talk to anybody who has changed their view on something, it's not because somebody came and beat it into them with a stick. It never is, yeah. right? It's because they came to a realization through conversation, through experience, and through exposure. You can't have positive change that happens by just smacking someone down and saying, you will think this way, period, or we'll kill you, figuratively, Mm, you know? Right. But Well, that's what it turns to eventually. So, you know, I mean, when it gets to the point where, like, Twitter's removing, like, a Donald – Donald Trump post of a meme of a picture of him, I might add, pointing at the screen <laughs> saying there is like this. They're not after me. They're after you with him pointing toward the camera. And then to have that be removed because of a some the the original artist or I don't understand how they were able to remove a picture of his likeness from his account because someone put in like a copyright like file of oh, copyright like complaint i don't understand how that even works i don't know i i i've stopped trying to yeah mega country all these th- they're <laughs> effing with you bro they're just wanting to make you mad it's not it's it because at this point the, the veil is off they do not like you yeah they don't like people who think like us they don't and they're going to no. write articles that demonize the people who We've listened to the people who we listen to and anyone who we may listen to. What do we so so what do we take from all this? All right. They hate you. They don't care about you or your free speech. The corruption yeah. of the press, the tech press in particular, is, is evident. It's evident. Just look, just look at look at what we just discussed when they're, they're already trying to demonize parlor. They've already demonized Gab. They'll go off to bit shoot pretty soon here. 
So when you try to move to another platform, they demonize you. When you try to build your own platform, they go after you, the infrastructure providers. Again, we've discussed mm-hmm. Scab. So ask yourself, is there a legal solution to this? The answer is no. There really isn't. Section two, you know, curbing Section 230 isn't going to save you. The answer is, uh, like most things we're dealing with today, it's not force uh, via legal means. It's force via cultural means. Um, it's decentralization. And it's things like we're going to discuss here in a minute. Blocknet, Definity, the blockchain, all these things. It's decentralization, guys. Um, it's gonna. It's it's probably what's gonna inevitably save us from all this consolidation in tech. Um, and and I know that's. I know that was a dark and long and rambling segment, but this is important because you know I told everyone, and I told everyone show after show, this will get darker. It, it, and, it, and, and, and what, did, what did I say? What does it look like? What does it look like, Gary? It looks pretty dark, doesn't it? It is. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I, I, there, there's no doubt. No, no. This, mean, this, is, this, is a, this is a dark period. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. This cultural whatever this is, is infected everything. Everything. Right. And it's affecting our ability to combat COVID-19. It's infecting our ability to deal with real racial um, inequality. It's it's making really discussion on these platforms that 15 years ago everyone thought would be the savior of the republic and of discourse. That argument for now is dead. And that dream is on life support. So with that said, we shall overcome. So kind of reading a couple of articles, right? And I think we had had a, a brief discussion about this in the pre-show, right? What are the technologies that are going to save us? What is the Star Trek stuff that I talked about earlier, right? That, that will help us in the future. Well, first is definitely decentralization. So I read an article from MIT Technology Review and our producer, Ryan, actually sent me a white paper from um, block.net. Uh, or Blocknet, right? Um, yeah. About really using blockchain to truly build a decentralized internet. And mm-hmm. it, it wants to, you know, so Definity is one of these companies. They've been around a long time. Um, and uh, they want to allow the creation of apps that can run on the network itself rather than servers that are, you know, dedicated or on the premise of Facebook or, or Google or Amazon. So the question is, can that succeed or fail? I mean, from an Ethereum virtual machine standpoint, there are projects out there that exist. I mean, you know, this is this is a thing. So Blocknet is like is 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 really interesting, and it kind of plays off of the uh, Definity's like a- approach at this is is they're trying to be the plumbing, right? They're trying to be, from all, all intents and purposes, like. Not necessarily the TCP IP of blocknets or blockchains. I'm sorry, blockchains. But they're trying to basically interconnect blockchains. Because right now, every cryptocurrency, every kind of network for sharing information, um, that article we discussed about, you know, using blockchains and to do IoT, you know, to um, 
the the food chain, the food chain stuff yeah. and whatever. Like, but all those blockchains are disintermediated. They're not connected. There's side chains right. and other things you can do, but there's no intermediate glue that sticks together all these blockchains. Like, like the one quote I do like from um, Blocknet's white paper was basically there are thousands of blockchains in existence yet currently. Currently, they function like lands disconnected from the internet. With the BlockNet protocol, well, I, I, protocol or API or wh whatever you want to do, is basically their theory for implementing this stuff. Um, they have these technologies for um, basically building virtually or even hardware-wise routers and switch and bridges and switches between yeah. these block between these blockchains. That right. will allow a lot of things. Um, if, if they can figure out the translation layer and and and, and implement it, yeah, it'll and, be amazing. and if you read their paper, they figured out what to do. It's just implementation, right? Right. And having people build this, for lack of a better word, this translation slash middleware into applications. Right. Um, and to have people running nodes and or just like good old fashioned switches and routers, basically routing tables in between block blockchains um, and being able to monetize the ability to move data and information and to publish reputable um, routes to blockchains. And then you have quantum computing, which is the one thing that I am geeked out about always and this is just a new paradigm in computing and tons of things have been happening over the last two three months in particular um i read one article from nature where at the university of maryland because of covid19 and because they really wanted to do a lot of their experiments remotely with their trapped ion quantum computer they automate the hell out of it and they and they run it remotely and they may they they might have to go in once a week and reset something or flip a flip a breaker or something, but they've gotten the best results they've gotten um, in really researching and delving deep into trapped ion quantum computers that they've gotten ever. And all this stuff is happening. The other big thing that seems to be going on here is because of this recession, unfortunately, because if no one's told you we're in a recession, they're lying to you. We're in a recession. We're we're in a recession. We're in a recession. <laughs> you know. Yeah. You know. We're definitely. I don't. You you can't look at the economy right now and the disruptions that have happened. I mean, just ignoring the unemployment that skyrocketed. Right. You, you, you can't look at everything else and say you're not in a recession. Right. It, it's just. And we can get into long hours long discussions of the fundamental the other the fundamentals that I look at that basically say like it doesn't matter with the the fact that. You know, unemployment went down to 11.1 or that, you know, millions of jobs were created. And it, no, that's 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 false. That's actually being propped up by a lot of um, fiscal and monetary stimulus. But that's another right. that's another podcast, another time. Um, but even before the pandemic, this is coming from a VentureBeat article I read last week. Um, many economists and corporate CFOs felt that there was at least a fifty percent chance of a recession this year. They were probably right. I I, I knew it. I knew one was coming. Um, I felt it. Um, I actually voiced it on this very podcast numerous times. Like, yeah, there's there's something coming. So what that is what that has caused is that's caused these these paradigm shifts. And this article goes into the fact that like in the 
in the 90s, it was the dot-com that brought us out of the recession of the early 90s. And then out of the recession, the great recession of what we call 2008, 2009, big data and cloud brought us out of that recession. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, our, and academia trained people accordingly. This next one will be artificial intelligence, machine learning, data science, data, data wrangling, whatever it's called, um, because they're going to people are uh, companies are now just a lot more anxious to implement and are willing to take the risks necessary um, to implement these these kind of, you know, speculative technologies that, that machine learning still kind of is, but. It's very, very important. The the Venture Beat article said it best. You know, during boom times, companies focus on growth. In tough times, they seek to improve efficiency. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's really what it boils down to. The question is, will that efficiency and the tech in the technologies that enable that efficiency trickle down to the mom and pops that are getting slaughtered right now? You know, I. I, you, you have to imagine, yes, because if you look at the other examples that you brought up, you know, the, the, the accessibility of technology in a very practical way comes very quickly once the, the, once the applications have been proven. You know, I, don't, I can't really think of a place where, okay, yeah, we've come up with something that's really made a difference, you know, to bring us out of this hole that we're in without it shortly becoming accessible to the mom and pops of the world. Yeah. And I think that, I, I mean, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful, I'm hopeful, hopeful too, right? Way. Because I think cloud is definitely a leveling of the playing field. Definitely. So yeah, according, actually, so according to the Atlantic Council, which surveyed 100 technology experts on the impact of COVID-19, um, they said basically, uh, even in the midst of the pandemic, those experts felt that over the next two to five years, data and AI would be, would have more impact on medical, on you know, biomedical engineering. Uh, the two are not mutually exclusive. You have deep mind technologies, you have with the use of alpha fold to predict complex protein folding patterns useful in the search for vaccines. So basically there's there's many areas that AI is going to impact. You have uh, um, in response to like supply chain disruptions. I think uh, Volkswagen is considering increasing its 3D printing capabilities in Germany. You have a lot of people who are going to bring a lot of uh, manufacturing back onshore um, while controlling costs and investments in robotics and AI. You're going to need robotics and AI to do um, onshore, you know, heavy, if not light manufacturing. Um, even companies uh, that don't have their own production capacity, such as like online retailers, that's your, hopefully your large and small mom and pops, plan to use AI to improve the reliability of the global supply chains. And there will be a diversification of the global supply chains as well. Sure. Yeah, we shouldn't be getting all our crap from China. We should be getting it from a number of places. Um, yeah. There's a surge in demand <laughs> for AI talent as a whole. But I think actually there will be a surge in talent for all types of information technology talent as a whole, particularly data science. I think... AI and machine learning are like the real sexy portions of this evolution, but uh, in revolution. But I was reading the other day in a paper that I was reading about synthetic uh, data for deep learning. Data and the ability to wrangle data and collect data and deploy systems that collect data are that that's basically the picks and shovels for machine learning and, and, and AI. 
because you need learning to you need data to train these deep neural uh, deep learning networks in these machine learning algorithms, even the inference algorithms, you need data and you need to get reliable data and you have to build systems and, 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 and controls that gather said data. And I think that's going right. to be huge. Um, if you don't want to have to learn like the hard part, which is AI machine learning, learn how to collect the data and comb the data and clean the data and extract meaning from the data at a low level and to push it to the algorithms and machine learning, like, you know, the things of the future. I get a sense that a lot of that's going to be very organic in nature because, you know, we, you already have some AI available to us as, you know, software developers, Correct. right? Yeah. We, we have AI available to us. And for example, some of the stuff that I'm wearing is super granular level stuff, right? But I'm collecting image data from driver's license, government documents, whatever. And then I'm using some AI tools that are available to me to decipher what's on these images. Yeah. You know, I know that that data collection or meta or, or some form of that is being fed back to help improve the, the, uh, the AI that's driving it, you know? So I, you know, the more accessible that we make it providing that we can ensure, like you said, it's good data that we're actually collecting good data. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it's going to be very organic in nature and that it's just going to kind of just happen I, for lack of a better word or a better expression. Yeah. If anyone who is coded in an IDE in the last five years from linting to formatting to code scaffolding in the form of frameworks. Yes, that is, it's, we don't call it AI. It's more automation, you think, but it is, right? Particularly with a lot of yeah. updates to Visual Studio. A lot of that, the linting, and linting for those of you who are not familiar, it's basically telling you like if you've entered in the wrong code or if you've, or you've, you're, you're not calling the function correctly or you didn't pass parameters in or something, you know. Pre-compile pre, pre time, it, it tries to catch your... Yeah, it tries to catch very, before very you get mistakes too before you attempt to compile, right? Um, it's, I mean, for those, you know, I mean, it's funny. I, I, I did some C Sharp this week and I was just like, oh, this is so difficult. I got to declare all this stuff. And oh, it just keeps yelling at me. And when, because <laughs> you come from Python, you just kind of throw it in there. And you're like, yep, yep, that'll work. And uh, yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I just need yeah, to. Yeah, and I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it's kind of a pain. So I had to. Had to... <laughs> well, that's why I love, uh, you know, that's why I love VAR. You know, yeah. forget your data types, you just declare a VAR. <laughs> and, it, it, and it figures out what it's supposed to And be, it's funny, right? right? Because every, a lot of high level programming languages, like LabVIEW has this data type called um, a variant VAR. It's literally just VAR. Yeah. Right, you just like yeah. just throw whatever in there. You just you just got to know what it is at the other end. But ah, who cares, right? But you can right. do anything into it. <laughs> but 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 the C sharp. I mean, it, it's I don't want to get too much. Yeah, I know. Right, uh, we're kind of geeking out right now. Which anyway, yeah, scratch that. Forget <laughs> yeah. it. Um, so otherwise, like I said, um, again, we're gonna um, there's gonna be increased risk tolerance for a lot of these large and small firms uh, associated with it to adopt these new technologies. We'd already discussed the blockchain's ability for for food and agriculture. Uh, AI will help us understand and adapt to changing climate. 
even though me and you are climate deniers, we do understand that climate is a very key component <laughs> in. Uh, I don't know. That's a strong. Uh, that's a strong categorization of myself. But, uh, <laughs> probably not too inaccurate. <laughs> So, and then of course, <laughs> infrastructure and security, definitely machine learning models are going to be used in improving the efficiency, reliability, and performance of said cloud infrastructure, particularly cloud infrastructure, because everything's moving to the cloud, whether we like it or not. Even if it's the clouds for people, uh, for companies that are not ideologically very friendly to us, um, that'll be a very, very mm -hmm. important thing. And, and yeah. just think of the, from a COVID-19 perspective, not to mention the impacts it's going to have that I just laid out here. But just think of the fact that like you have a lot of introverts and nerds in isolation loving this stuff and running experiments. I think I dovetailed I think I kind of briefly like brought up the fact that like these two kids, graduate students or you know, college students just came up with a new new math for triangles. And uh, or I'm sorry, rectangles. Okay. And they just mm -hmm. did it just kind of because they're not in class. They're just kind of sitting in their dorm rooms, right? Just kind of hanging out. Yeah. What are the things that are happening in this COVID-imposed isolation that when this passes will fundamentally change the world? Now, not to get all Star Trek geeky, but is there a Cochran sitting in his bedroom, like, dreaming up warp drive? Maybe. Um, you know, yeah, um, there could be, could be, um, but you got to think, man, between AI, quantum computing, blockchains, 5G, whether it causes cancer or COVID or not, or, uh, <laughs> just take me quick. That's all I ask. <laughs> or, or, or just what's happening in the space race now. Um, as of this recording, one of the rocket companies, rocket labs lost the rocket, but yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. You know that, but that happens. Um, it, like Elon Musk said, space is hard. So this is true. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a great, that's a, that's an understatement. Um, but yeah. <laughs> it, it will be. All these things are hard, but you got to think, man, like out of the other end of this, if the trends from that Venture Beat article hold true, we will have a more decentralized internet, resilient internet. We will have AI to the masses. Quantum computing will help us make enormous discoveries and material science, biomedical engineering, and the like, because of the, the nature of how it computes and how this all pertains to particularly biomedical process or biological processes and molecular processes. You, we can go down the line, like the ubiquity of internet connectivity that is going to come online in the next two to five years between 5G, 4G, satellites, low earth orbit satellites from SpaceX and whoever else. Um, and the in continued improvement in 3D printing, robotics, and the more of a role of automation and a lot of the things that are mundane. I'm not, yeah, so we can, you know, to close on a, on a positive note, topic one was bad because that is the now and it is ugly. It is ugly right now. And I think Gary will agree and concur. 100%. Yeah. But what's happening for those of us who are on the grind, either keeping an eye on this stuff 
or building the tools necessary to do this stuff. Um, even the tools necessary for people to organize and protest and yes, even riot. Um, And the fact that our institutions, particularly the institutions that I have grown to rely on over the last 15 years to get me inspired and keep me informed about what is happening in an industry that is cool. And that is the technology industry, a technology industry of geeks and nerds and introverts and, 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 and madmen. Um, and, and swashbuckling, you know, entrepreneurs <laughs> and, you know, guys who have the had the mantra of build it, build things. And, you know, was it was it uh, something deploy and break things or something like that? What was Zuckerberg's like original mantra? Oh, I don't even know. It's, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, it sounds like build quick and break brilliant. things or something like that. <laughs> I don't know whatever it was. Right. But I mean, that built that yeah. built Facebook. Right. Yep. Um, one yep. of the co-founders of Uber, who is the most hated guy in Silicon Valley now, but like you, you, you sit there and you bemoan his tactics as as the early CEO of the company as you get into an Uber to drive somewhere. So, um, mm-hmm. And everyone, everyone knew that uh, Steve Jobs was a dick, but you type up the article on the X anniversary of whatever Apple uh, milestone was reached about how much of a dick that uh, Steve Jobs was on a MacBook. So let's keep it in perspective, fam. Um, and I, I wish, and you know, we and, uh, this is for this is for another time and a longer discussion. But I think what we get in the tech press today is a far cry from the guys and gals that wrote in the early early two thousands that I admired. Those people are gone. Yeah. Um, the people who write today have I don't think have any. Well, most people don't have any perspective on history, particularly in the industry that they write in. And I don't really think and I don't think they're they're nerds. I don't think they're technical. I don't think they're technically savvy in any way. They're. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have my opinions. Yeah. <laughs> I found the quote. I found the quote, by the way, move fast and, and break, break things. things. That's unless you're breaking stuff, you are not moving fast enough. On that note. We need to get back to that. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, I'm sorry. Let's do it. I mean, you know, they're too, but help, they're just too busy like demonizing the guy and crapping on the very platform that they were and and the very culture that they celebrated literally ten years ago. Yeah. With that said, this has been a pretty long, but I hope inform formative and, and entertaining episode of Thank You. For your servers, I'm I'm Thaddeus Preston, a.k.a. Nick Way. Follow me at Nick Way on Twitter. That's N-I-C-K-W-A-Y-E. Also, go to go to the blog. Blogs at blogs.relativeprogress.com. Blogs.relativeprogress.com. And let me know how it looks. Give me some yes. feedback, man. Let me know how terrible I, it hey, is. Hey, I like, I like the uh, parallax scrolling that you do. Right, yeah. Even though that's so... Uh, of course, I'm I'm shallow. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, yeah. apparently that's still 2017 or something like that. I don't, I don't understand. Yeah, well, you know. Yeah, I, I like it. it. I updated it the other day and I posted a couple <laughs> things on there. And then this this episode will inevitably be posted on there as well. So anything to plug, brother, while we uh, before we head up? About, uh, my wife just brought me in a nice red, white, and blue smoothie Ooh. for uh, to to wrap up the weekend, and uh, I'm gonna go probably jump in the pool because I am sweating 
bullets right now. Oh. My my skin, not scared or anything, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sweating pretty hard. Well, enjoy your red, red, <laughs> blue smoothie, Marka. Happy birthday, Marka. And um, happy birthday. <laughs> and thank you for logging in to thank you for your servers. That is it. Goodbye. Bye.